I found my big cup of coffee, so I'm really happy. Um, if you haven't noticed, if you see around the church that there are a bunch of tall mason jars, those are mine. Uh, I realized this morning that there weren't any at home, so they're all here. <laughs> so um, if you see any, if you want to just put them up somewhere so I can see them and grab them, that'd be really helpful. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but as we turn our attention to God's word this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 13. This is a transitional point in the gospel of Mark. Uh, we have been going through the, the Gospel of Mark over the past year and a half or so. We haven't spent every Sunday in, in Mark, but uh, this morning we're actually going to wrap up our time that we've been studying uh, through Mark's Gospel. And as we come to uh, this section here in, in the Gospel of Mark, it is a really important theme and, and transition as we start to look to Jesus as he comes uh, to the place of Jerusalem. In Mark 13, in the Olivet Discourse, as Jesus comes into the temple, this is the height of Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders. It will ultimately lead him to his death on the cross, to his burial. And then three days later, we know the good news that Jesus rises from the dead. He resurrects in power and glory and might. He accomplishes his work of salvation. And as we approach this text this morning, many of us like stories. Do we not? Anybody like a story? Here? Okay. I really like stories. I'm finding out more and more that I like stories through the avenue of TV shows, right? I like to follow plots and characters and see character development. I've shared a few times some shows that I've been watching and that I've enjoyed. Um, but the one thing that's important about a story is that there are pieces that help us build to the story. There are pieces that make the story what it is. Uh, we know that the Bible has a story. The Bible has a big picture story that we can sum up in four words. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Amen, Terry. Amen. She's mouthing it. Yeah, the big story of the Bible is those four pieces. Creation, that God created the world. He created everything that is within it. He spoke it into existence. God said and things came to life. That he created man and woman in his image and in his likeness. That they were in community and relationship with him. That he gave them dominion over the garden, over the things that were in the earth. But the serpent deceived man and woman. The serpent deceived them in such a way that they rebelled against God and they were separated from God because of their sinfulness. And this points us to the fact that we need redemption. We need someone who can make a way for us to be in right community with God. And that comes in the person of Jesus. And ultimately, it points to this big picture that God is going to restore what he has created. There will be a new heavens, a new earth. Jesus is going to return, and he is going to come in power and might and make everything right again. And why am I sharing this story with you this morning? Because right here in Mark's gospel, we see Jesus point the disciples to one of the most important teachings. This chapter right here is the longest chapter of teaching in the Gospel of Mark. And so you're probably thinking right now, boy, JB, you, you can go long. This is going to be interesting. How are we going to go about this? Friends, as we come to the text of Mark 13 this morning, there is just one truth, one truth that I want us to think about. And it's Jesus' exhortation to be on guard. Be on guard. If there are three words that you can remember this morning, remember this. Be on guard. With that, let's please look at the word of God this morning. Follow along as I read from Mark 13. 
Mark 13 reads like this. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel first must be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in the hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it might not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the power in heavens will be shaken And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, 
This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Amen. As we approach this text from Mark chapter 13, this is some of the most meaty theology that we see in all the Bible. It's the story of the theology of the end times, right? How many of you have heard of end times theology or eschatology before, okay? So how is the world going to end, right? That's that's usually the big question that comes with Mark 13. And there have been plenty of people who have tried to make their predictions, many who have made predictions in a false way. And friends, that's simply because Jesus says right here, no one knows the day or the hour. We are not the omnipotent God. We are not in control of all things and know all of time. We cannot predict and say, hey, here's exactly what's going to happen at this very moment. We are not God. But the interesting part to eschatology as we look to the end things is that many people, the way that we approach this is that we want to get to the end. We know the end of the story. The end of the story is that Jesus is going to return in great power and glory. And we look forward to that day. It's a day that we as the church should celebrate. In fact, as we look at how we week to week gather, as week to week we read and pray and sing, there are some big things that we celebrate in Christianity. That God is a God and that there is no one else like. There's no other God like our God. No one compares. No one matches. That Jesus has made a way for our salvation. That by him we're saved. We celebrate these points of Christianity. But you don't often hear about the end of time. We say, hey, here's what's going to happen. We know that this is coming up. This is good. We're really looking forward to it. But we often focus on the end. And the point that I want to make this morning, the point that Mark is making to the church in Rome as he writes this letter, the point that we need to hear as the church this morning is you can't get to the end unless you actually walk through the path and the journey. The story, you can't open up the book and just go right to the end. Rachel told me I could use her as an example in this. She loves to read, right? And she confessed to me this week, this was a great moment of confession in the Brown household. She said, Jordan, every time I open up a book, I always go to the end because I want to know how it ends. (laughs) And I was like, man, you ruin every book that way. (laughs) Like, you you can't do that. That's just not right. (laughs) We read books way differently. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) She is somebody that likes to know the end of the story. Friends, believers in Christ, we know the end of the story. We will get to the end of the story, but we can't get there unless we follow what Jesus says here. And there's so many details that come about about end times here. We see the abomination of desolation. We see the coming of the Son of Man. We see that there will be signs. But Jesus' main point to the disciples is this. Be on guard. 
You want to get to the end? Be faithful and obedient. That's the main thrust of Jesus' teaching about end times. As we look to the end, as God finishes his story, as God continues his work, as God comes in his power and might, we have two things to do. Be faithful and obedient. Now let's walk through the text and see what he says. As we look at verses 1 and 2, again, Jesus is with the disciples, and one of the disciples raises a question to him, and he says, look at how beautiful the temple is. Look at how magnificent and how glorious this building is. Church, for a moment, I want you to soak in something. Look around. Look at this building. Look how magnificent this is. Uh, A structure built in 1883. A giant pipe organ. Chandelier, stained glass windows, chairs to sit in, a sweet pulpit. (laughs) Look at how magnificent all of these things are. They're just materials. What makes the church is not the materials. It's the heart of the mission of the people of God. We are the church. Jesus responds to him and he says, See these great buildings, there will be not left one stone. This is the height of the conflict with the Pharisees. In fact, as Jesus goes to the cross, this is the moment in which the Pharisees have had it up to their necks. They've heard him proclaim that he's God. They've heard people say that he's a miracle worker. They've heard him come into the temple. They have challenged his authority, and he has matched them pound for pound, bite for bite, and he has shown that he is not like others. But here, how could someone who is a human say that they're going to tear down the very house of worship? Jesus had the right perspective. God was not really concerned with the temple as much as he was its material building, as much as he was the heart and act of worship. In sacrifice and offerings, I take no pleasure. We need to be reminded of these verses. And the text tells us that he comes to the Mount of Olives. Now, if you want to see a picture of that, ask David. He was just in Israel. He'd be happy to show you a picture of the Mount of Olives. They're opposite the temple, and what we find out is that Peter, James, John, and Andrew come to Jesus. This is the inner circle of disciples. They come to Jesus, and they ask him a question. They just heard him say, all of these things will be torn down, and they say, when is this going to happen? And what's going to be the sign? Jesus, this is really, this is a big thing for you to say. And follow along with Jesus' words. He said to them, see, first, the first thing he says to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And there will be uh, rumors of war but you cannot be alarmed. And nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes and there will be famines. He says that there are going to be things that continuously point us to the end. But Jesus says that these are the beginning of the pains. I'm just going to ask a simple question. How many of you think that the world's in a pretty dire strait right now? Okay. Maybe worse than 10 years ago. Okay. Maybe worse than 20 years ago. Maybe worse than 30 years ago. 50. A century. 
okay? This is not news. This is not news. Every generation says about the, pre, the, the upcoming generation and the upcoming year, this is the worst it's ever been. Give you a little bit of perspective. We have more information now, data-wise, than we could ever say that we had 50 years ago. The way the data and information has increased has been exponential. We're measuring things that we would have never thought to measure. <laughs> but Jesus says here, there are going to be things that continue to be destructive. That's not to minimize any of the evils that are happening in the world. It is evil that there is war. It is evil that there is racial tension. It is evil that there are things that people are fighting for that don't stand on the principles of God. But friends, this is not news. Jesus told us this would come. I heard a sermon once from the Gospel of John. It was delivered at Southern Seminary, and uh, the speaker, as he was looking through this, he was talking to the disciples as they were coming to this moment of the Mountain of Olives. Jesus had just spoke about the destruction of the temple, and I like the way he put it. He said that Christians need to know that this is not chicken little. The sky is not falling. Do we still believe that God is on the throne? Do we still believe that he's in power? Do we still believe he's in control? Do we believe that he has the might? Friends, the sky is not falling. There are things around us that are horrible, but we know the end of the story. We know who wins. So we look to Jesus. In verse 9, he says, Be on guard. As, he, as we hear about these wars and these rumors and kingdom rising against kingdom and nation against nation, as we hear about the evil, he says, be on guard, and he makes them a promise. There is a time that will come where we will have to take a stance. He says, they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. I mean, if I was like Peter, James, John, or Andrew right there, I'd be like, this, Jesus, this was not the answer I wanted to hear. I had one question. When's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign? And Jesus says, things are coming. They're going to tell you that it's really horrible. These are just the beginning of the pains. You're going to be delivered over. But don't worry. You'll be beaten. You'll be brought before councils. You'll have to take an answer. And you're before them for my sake. Those are hard words, but they're comforting words. Church, as we face persecution, as we stand before people who would want to mock the name of God, mock the kingdom, remember what Jesus said to the disciples here. We stand before them to bear witness. And then in verse 10, the gospel must be proclaimed. If we want to be on guard, the best way to be on guard is first to witness to the gospel. As the world around us begins this process of coming to the end, as we head to the end of the story, the one reminder we need to be 
uh, we need to have is that we have to be on guard by proclaiming the gospel. We've got a mission, church. It's to proclaim the gospel. That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That if we turn from our sin and we put our faith in him, that we will be saved. Church, this is our heartbeat. This is our mission. Jesus says that these disciples will go to trial, that they'll be delivered over. And he tells them, do not be anxious for what you're to say. Because when the hour comes, the Holy Spirit will speak. And brother will deliver brother to death. And father, his child, and children rise against their parents. And you will be hated by all for my namesake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus is saying, be on guard. Be faithful to witness. Stand up for who I am. Proclaim the gospel. Point these people to the truth. And know that if you endure to the end, you will see the ultimate salvation of God. There are going to be times where we are going to face persecution. Church, it is coming. We need to recognize right now, I did some research on this, they say that 247 people die for the sake of Christ every day. 247 people die for the name of Jesus every day. Persecution is not an if, it's a when. We will face persecution for the sake of the gospel. And we might not feel it here in the comfort of our building, in the comfort of our chairs, but I'll tell you what, there are brothers and sisters across our globe who are facing persecution right now. They can't gather together like we can in open public on the corner of the main street in the center of town. They have to go into basements and into fields and into places that are secluded to worship. A time is coming when persecution will be real. Be on guard. Witness to the gospel. Then Jesus talks about in verses 14 through 23, the abomination of desolation. This is what will happen. That there will be someone who will stand in the Holy of Holies that will totally make a mess of the temple, of the people of God, that he will do something that is so wrong that there is going to be something that is coming, that the days in which the end draws near, when the end comes, it will be like nothing before it. But hear this promise in verse 20. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Hear this promise that God has shortened the days that he has decided to save his people. He says, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe that there will be false Christs and false prophets who will arise and perform signs and wonders. Friends, there are going to be people who try to lead us astray. There are going to be those who want to take the people of God away from God. 
It says that even, it says that God's going to save his elect, those whom he has chose, those whom he has saved. But that there are going to be false Christs and false prophets who will arise and try to take even those people away from the kingdom of God. But look at verse 23. Be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. As we face false teaching, as we face false prophets, as we face false Christ, how do we battle against this temptation? Remember the word of God. It is why we are a Bible-centered church. It's why we make the Bible the main meat of everything that happens here. If the Bible is not opened, we won't do it. Because if we want to fight against the temptation of being led astray, we need to be people of the word. We need to remember the things that Jesus has said. It's why the heart of the Reformation is so important with that teaching that the sole authority in the life of the church is the word of God. You want to find the authority? Look to Scripture. And think about how the Word of God describes the very words of Scripture. In Hebrews, it says that it's like a double-edged sword, that it pierces through flesh and bone and marrow. Jesus is called the Word. In John chapter 1, it says that the church was built on the foundation of the Scripture. The cornerstone of the church is Christ. And we look to Christ through the word. We are a people of the word. If you're like, man, why are we doing these book-by-book studies every week? Because we are committed to the word. And the word of God speaks in a way that it's timeless. It speaks to people that Mark wrote to in Rome in the first century. It speaks to people in 2019 who are worshiping Christ in the center of Hebron. The word of God stands true. But be on guard. Remember what Jesus has said. And we can't remember what Jesus has said unless we actually look at what he has said. How many of you receive our weekly emails? Okay. Who read the article of the week this week? Logan. Nice. Jared. Wow. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. (laughs) What did it say? My point exactly. (laughs) I can do that. He's my little brother. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Listen, the the article of the week this past week was uh, put together by the Gospel Coalition. It was entitled, Approach Your Bible Desperately. Approach your Bible desperately. There's a group of us uh, from our D group in Willimannock last, last uh, during the, the winter session, we had started a Bible reading plan together. And we've been using uh, the YouVersion Bible app, and we've been reading uh, through this thing called In the Word Every Day. And we're, we're all at different paces with it. We're not always faithful and consistent. Jacob's laughing back there because he knows. <laughs> there are moments, like I looked at it this past week, I think I missed a few days and I had to do a lot of catching up. Um, but the thing about 
that, that reading, what encourages me is we get into the word together and we're all in different places. We're not sitting at the same table necessarily every week, but together every single day, our heart and desire is to get into the word. And as we go through that, one of the things that I have to confess is that there is literally, you open up the app and there are check boxes. There's a devotional reading, then there's a passage of scripture, and one of my favorite things about it is the talk board. I don't always do it, but there's a whole group discussion that can happen right there through this app. It's, it's pretty neat. But as we go through the check marks, I find myself, when I'm tired and I'm trying to get through my reading, that I'm just checking off those boxes. And I'm not approaching the Bible desperately. Friends, do we believe this is the word of God? Do you believe this? This is the word of God. We have access to it. We have nice leather copies. We have hard copies. We've got paper copies. We give them out left and right. These are the words of God, and we need to approach them like they are the words of God. With desperation. God, we need to hear your voice. We need to be led by you. We need to be instructed by you. We need to hear what you have said. We need to remember, God. Who are you? What have you done? What have you accomplished? Have you made a way? You are my rock and my redeemer, the saver of my soul. You are my fortress. You are the one who comes in victory and glory and power at the end and restores creation. You are the one who speaks and things come to life. This is the word we approach. We approach the word because God has spoken and there is power within it. But I'm concerned that most of us are not looking to what the words have to say. We're looking for an experience or something that we can measure or something that we can feel or maybe some practical advice on the next five steps of what to do in our marriages or our parenting or with our finances. These are all good things. But do we approach the word like we need Jesus in such a way that we're desperate for him. If I was to confess, I'd say I don't. This is the bread of life. And have you ever been so hungry that you couldn't wait to eat? For teenage boys, this happens every single day. Amen, go out here, boys, amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for yours truly, that happens every now and then too. I know I'm driving in to like Norwich. I know that there's five guys and my stomach just can't handle anything. <laughs> I know Brittany Landry's excited about the Moe's that's coming to Willimantic. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we've been so hungry, we've been so thirsty that we've just had to have something just to, to quench that hunger, to quench that thirst. Friends, the word of God quenches and it fulfills and satisfies our soul. There's nothing like it. But friends, look to the good news. Verses 24 through 27. In those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, the powers in heaven will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and He will send out His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, 
to the ends of the earth. Friends, the Son of Man is coming. Uh, see, in eschatology, this is a, a, what we would call secondary issue of the church. There are people that line up in all these different camps. Amillennialism, premillennialism, postmillennialism, weird mid-trib people. Um, there are people that line up in all sorts of different places. Friends, the big picture of this is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. The scripture tells us the Son of Man is coming in glory and power. That's the big picture. The big picture we celebrate. The big picture we look to as the church. As we sang this morning, that God is our living hope. He is coming back. He's going to gather his people. He's going to restore all things. And he's going to come with power and might. And then in verses 28 through 31, the lesson of the fig tree. We remember as Jesus was entering in Mark 11 into the city of Jerusalem, he cursed the fig tree in Bethany. He said, may no one ever eat of your fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it and they said, what is this all about? And Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he will, he, that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And he says, have faith in God. He points them to faith in God. Um, as, as we look into this text, as, as he tells us that the, the fig tree, its lesson is as the branch becomes tender, it puts out its leaves, it will bear fruit. Think of what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. If you rest in me, you will bear fruit. As we go, as the people of God, trusting in him, we will bear fruit for him. All these things will take place. And he says, truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Every time there's been an instruction, look at what Jesus has said. Trust me. Be on guard. Witness to me. Proclaim the gospel. Hear the word. Trust the word. Know that this is the word of God. In verse 32, it says, Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. What has been the big picture of the, the Olivet Discourse? Be on guard. No one knows the day or the hour. Friends, if you are reading material that is telling you this is when the end of the earth is going to happen at this exact moment, do yourself a favor, put it down in the trash can. 
The big picture is that Jesus, even Jesus, who was in perfect Godhead, the perfect Trinity, as he came to earth and denied all of his divine power, he said in this moment, with the end of all things coming, as Jesus, the sovereign God, as he denied his divine power, he said to them, only the Father knows this. So if Jesus, the Son of God, says he doesn't know the time or the hour, then we sure don't know the time or the hour. But we know this, that he's coming. And that it's going to be like a thief in the night. And that when he comes, we have to be prepared. And how do we prepare? By being faithful and obedient. Being people of the word by trusting in God's power and his might. So what does it look like for us to live as the church? First, we celebrate. We celebrate that God's in control. Thank God that we don't call the shots. Second, we trust him. We put our complete confidence, our complete faith, our trust in him. Third, we stick to the word. We stick to the word. Let's be a Bible people. And fourth, faithfulness and obedience. The gospel of Mark has been quite the journey. But it's a journey that points us to our hope in Christ, that he has come to redeem us. Thank God that he has brought Jesus so that we could live with him and be in fellowship with him and community with him by faith.